Hello and welcome to Lit Liturgy. This is Becca Midiki-Conlin. I am the pastor at St. Paul's and Good Shepherd Lutheran Churches in Easton, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lydia Posselt, and I'm the associate pastor for evangelism and mission at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Vienna, Virginia. And we are Lit Liturgy, your favorite liturgy podcast. Welcome. As you have probably already noticed, we are lit because we are amazing. Um, we are fabulous. We are glittery and awesome. We are sick. We're fab. And we're also... Um, well, we never are at this end. The, the other definition of lit is being super drunk, which we never are, but we are drinking. Um, today I am having uh, what has become my spring drink of Malibu pineapple juice and orange juice. So, ooh, yes, very refreshing. That sounds very festive. Um, and I'm trying something new that we have picked up at our local, our local liquor store. It's called Firefly. Uh, sweet tea. It's basically a vodka mixed with um, sweet tea flavorings. Yes, I have. I should have given you one of my bottles because I inherited one and I don't drink it. Other than it is good with lemonade. Exactly. So I've made myself, it's on the rocks with a slice of lemon. And it's actually, I was worried that it was going to be like super duper sweet, but the lemon cuts it and it's not like overtly. So I'm kind of like, I'm trying to be fake Southern, I guess. I mean, you do live in Virginia now, so yeah, trying to embrace the location that I'm Northern at. Virginia, but which it's it's definitely its own thing. Yes. Um, super thanks to Brian O'Dean for our great theme music. And so, what are we talking about this week, Lydia, or oh, this episode? I always say week. Yeah, week. <laughs> well, it's been a week. We're talking about the super problematic non-liturgical holidays of Mother's Day and Father's Day. <laughs> All right. Should we just get our rants out of the way? Can yeah. we? All right. Well, yeah, of course. We're going to start with that. Start there. So neither one of us are moms. I personally am child-free by choice, have no uh, plans on ever having a kid. And other than my dogs who make a lot of noise and I do not consider my dogs kids. I don't call them my kids. And I, if I was not a pastor, I would not show up at on worship on mother's day because I have had stuff like my internship congregation handed out roses or carnations to all the, all the quote mothers. And this guy forced one on me and told me that I would be a mom. And I said, no, I'm not planning on it. And he's like, well, you'll change your mind someday, which is not respecting my own decisions. I've had people tell me that I am, uh, that, well, I'm a dog mom. So that counts. I'm like, no, cause I can leave my dogs at home for 14 hours at a time. You can't do that with a young child. You would be cited as abuse. Yeah. Don't do that. And I have had, um, people just assume that because I'm a woman of childbearing age, that therefore I should have, you know, mother's day stuff. At, given to me, recognized. And I don't want to be like a mother's are hard work. I don't want to be a mom. Please don't recognize me as a one, one. And I also get the, Oh, you're the mom to all the church kids. No, I'm not. I'm not raising them. <laughs> like I talk to them for like an hour a week. That's not the same thing. <laughs> like teachers are doing more than I am. Um, and then the other part of this is, uh, I don't completely lost my train of thought. But, Here, I'll talk for a bit and then yeah. you can jump in. <laughs> so also as a woman of childbearing age who um, is not currently a mother, it's also weird that it's like, I don't really want to broadcast like plans or anything or anything regarding that. It's super awkward to talk the about. The vacancy status of your uterus. <laughs> exactly. What might the status or possible future status of what my uterus might, may or may not contain. <laughs> like I would talk about that with people I'm close to, but like not the entire world. Thank you very much. We're, we are in public facing positions, but my internal organs are mine. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I've even had one Mother's Day. I read this beautiful lit liturgy that we will talk about later. And then at the end of it, like I read it at the end of worship. And then um, after worship it was like talking to one of the young kids, like under the age of two, uh, 
Um, and then this woman immediately says, oh, pastor, you look good with one of those. You should have one yourself. And it's like, what the hell did I just read woman? Like, please, you know, oh, and then on top of it, there's a lot of people who have bad relationships with their moms. There's those who don't, who are mothers who honestly don't want to be mothers or those who feel guilty because they gave up a child for adoption and now are concerned about those or those who want to be moms and can't, or those who don't have a good relationship with their own mom because their own mom abused them. Um, there are stepmoms who will, who are doing the majority of the parenting and yet will always feel inferior to the biological mom. Like there are so many issues with mother's day and the same is all true for father's day. It's just, we're both women. So we're going to talk mother's day side of it. And then there's also the binary issue too. You know, and this year I'm like, I feel like I'm extra, extra aware of like, this is stupid because it's super binary and that's dumb. And, and, but I think also the mother's day aspect of it is just a little bit more complicated in the sense of like the gendered issue where I remember on CPE, um, someone, you know, you walk in, you do the cold calls and like someone like was like okay with my presence but would never go to a church with a female pastor because of the thought of a woman being pregnant in the pulpit and I didn't think at the time to say well you don't think your male pastors have fathered children like what about the male pastors fathering the child yeah have you ever thought about that so that adds an extra layer to the mother's day part but also like the father's day I've, I've heard heard It'll come up. We'll talk a little bit about it later. How like, yeah, on Mother's Day, you get flowers. The women get flowers. The mothers get flowers. But the men get like a gift card to like Dunkin Donuts or something. Well, and even like, you know, there's those stupid comic strips about like Mother's Day. And it's a woman like sitting in a bathtub enjoying like peace and quiet because the dad took the kids and then father's day it's the exact same scene because the dad is spending time with the kids because it's father's day and it's like so mother's day we give moms time off and father's day we give kids quality time with their dads like or the opposite where mother's day the mom gets a disaster of a breakfast in bed by the kid which is cute and lovely but then they have to clean up after right yes yeah, so they have to do the dishes oh, and then the dad gets a day on the golf course yeah so Come on, man. anyway so there's so many gender dynamics but the problem also is these well, these are not church holidays they are also very large cultural holidays and yeah. trying not to celebrate them or not to acknowledge them is extremely difficult. And, and they're both on a Sunday, whereas like it's bad enough when 4th of July lands on a Sunday, but when it yeah. doesn't, you can kind of try to avoid it when both, but when both of these are on a Sunday, it's like, fuck. Yes. All the time. Oh yeah. We didn't say that we were going to swear oh, yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Warning a little late. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you probably know this, but in case anyone is a new listener. Yeah. And so we, um, so how do we celebrate this? How do we, I, I don't know, even celebrates the right word. How, how do we, yeah. How do we acknowledge it and meet some of our congregation members expectations about, I mean, cause there's people, especially on mother's day who go to church because it's mother's day. Um, and then, so how do we meet those cultural expectations while still not falling into them. <laughs> yeah. It's falling into the trap and the, the huge problem, uh, problematic trap that are these two holidays. And I should also make a caveat. Like I love my parents. I celebrate mother's day and father's day, but with them, like I call them, I talk to them and like, we talk almost like every week, every other week anyway. So, but I make sure that I call them on that day. I, some years I send them a small gift. Some years I don't, it's not like a, a specific thing. Cause we don't live locally to one another. And also, but, um, and also like, even when I did live locally, we would normally not go out to eat on mother's day proper or father's day proper because the restaurants were so busy. So we'd normally go out on Saturday or Monday <laughs> instead. Um, but 
I don't wish random strangers who are walking down the street because I assume them to be the correct gender and of age, happy Mother's Day and happy Father's Day. So exactly. But yet that's what we do in the congregation. Like how it would be kind of to me, it's a similar of like just randomly walking down the street and wishing random strangers like happy birthday and the awkwardness of them like it's not my birthday (laughs) and like the one person who's like well thanks (laughs) because their birthday is that day or that week or whatever and then be like how'd you know and then that feels awkward too (laughs) so so let's let's re in in a sense reclaim some of the the things the let's recast you know like i think as as the church we can like do some recasting of this because we because moms do get the short end of the stick and dads are sometimes underappreciated too yes so a big thing in a lot of churches is somehow in order to honor mother's day father's day whatever is to give crap out it is crap sorry well and so yeah it is (laughs) so but some people really live for that crap so flowers flowers are nice they're fine yeah so like you know a lot of churches like will give up flowers for mother's day or like my church has done well saint paul's because i because of covid i haven't been to good shepherd on mother's day or father's day but at good at saint paul's they have for a while we're giving out like literally crap from some Christian catalog that they found that the uh, the Welka, the women of the ELCA group, purchases and gives to everyone. And like one year, I know it was like a mini flashlight keychain, but I'm sure it's one of those that would like, and it said something cheesy, cute scripture related on the side. And I'm sure it broke after, you know, for most of them after a week. So like, literally it is Correct. Like it is going to go in the trash most of the time within a month. So let's actually think environmentally stewardship ways of doing this. So like, let's not give stuff to people that is going to be wasted because why the sentiment is there and it's nice. Let's also be good stewards of our environment and not purchase stuff just for the sake of purchasing it and the mentality. So there's flowers. Hey, flowers work. They're also compostable and biodegradable and all that other good stuff um but then how are you going to hand them out yeah because because this year it's covid you know and yeah that adds another extra layer of awkward but also in a normal year do you hand them to every woman because that leads to the awkwardness do you hand them to everyone that would actually be okay because yeah, everyone every person gets a flower you get a flower and you get a flower everyone gets yes yeah. everyone gets lady parts of a plant today <laughs> or you can have them just be somewhere for people who want them to pick them up and then you can also say the ones that aren't picked up are going to we're gonna go put on some of the graves of our former members or you know or deceased members former deceased anyway formerly deceased deceased. not formally deceased because that means they're zombies so um it's okay but I think there's other better things you can do and also if you but if you're really stuck on flowers don't just get pink and white ones like if you're going to do pink and white, get some blue ones and have the binary, non-binary flag. We get, get some traditionally girly colors, but also get some non-traditionally girly colors and diversify. Or, you know, just natural colors of flowers because blue's not really, well, depends on the flower, but flower. not of carnations. It's not a natural color. <laughs> so um, you can also do a fundraiser for something like Planned Parenthood or a local organization that does, um, that supports parents, uh, whether it is um, a group that will have parenting classes or um, has like babysitting, free reduced babysitting services for young parents so that they can get into the job market or 
um, I mean, there's a lot of local organizations that do all sorts of stuff. Find them in your con- in your community. Also, if your congregation has a preschool, create a scholarship fund because childcare is expensive. Yes, yes. I mean, um, like selling flowers isn't going to go very far, but it could get the conversation started. Yes, and then also just don't do it. <laughs> like, don't do it. Or I like the idea of flipping the script and doing like gift cards on Mother's Day and flowers on Father's Day. Yeah. And I think that came for me. We were talking about how my uh, St. Paul's, they used to give the crap on Father's Day too. And then a few years ago, start to give Dunkin' Donut gift cards. Oh, maybe that was but, you. Yeah. And I was like, well, wait a moment. Like, I mean, not that I'm a mom, but I would rather have a cup of coffee than a flower. Yeah, women <laughs> like, drink coffee too, man. Like what? So then how else can we acknowledge, with, besides giving away stuff um, or crap, how else can we honor Mother's Day, Father's Day, and still also acknowledge the larger pain that can be there? Because it is this day of complicated emotions, or even that acknowledge that, those complicated emotions. So um, maybe let's try, dive into each holiday separately a little bit, as much as we are also talking about the non-binary. Exactly. Cause honestly, well, Mother's Day is, is the one that comes first in the, the calendar, at least here, actually fun fact. I recently learned that there, the Mother's Day version in the UK is in March during Lent and it's called mothering. It's something like mothering day or mothering Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has a slightly different, uh, meaning and connotation. So that's kind of helpful to think about like, Hmm, so this day still exists outside and and that one is closer to international women's day so i do like that connection but anyway we have we're stuck with the may version and at least in the united states and because it is different days different in different country mother's day is much more not universally celebrated on the same day than father's day because mother's day it was originally in the U.S. was actually an anti-war holiday and was talking about like bringing about peace. Um, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, I looked at Wikipedia. Go check out the Wikipedia article. Um, and I also found some stuff on National Geographic that basically was like, it's an anti-war yeah. protest. <laughs> and it was originally celebrated in the church. So, but in 1907, so we're talking like less than 120 years. It was at St. Andrew's Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia, um, and was where it all began. Yeah, and actually there was, actually there was, and there was also like other people who had other similar ideas way back, in, starting in even way back as far as 1872, and even from the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Think about the, tra- the trauma that our country went through and the loss, and there was a lot of women around that time who was all, who were starting to have these yeah. um, sentiments and and also in the early 1900s, it was also a suffragette. It was a way of lifting up women. Hey, if we are good enough to birth you and raise you, then we're good enough to vote. So, so let's reclaim that fierceness. Like what happened? Now it's brunch, <laughs> which is great. I love brunch, but we can do better than that, women. A random brunch quote from my husband. Brunch without alcohol is just a big late breakfast. <laughs> Yes. All right. Anyway, so uh, one of the ways is to start with a litany of women in the Bible and especially lift them up and especially not just the mothers. Um, you can talk about a lot of the women in the in scripture. And there's a lot of women who we don't know what the status of their uterus ever was. So like Anna, Mary Magdalene's, uh, Salome, Joanna. Um, we couldn't recall if Miriam is listed as having kids or not. And then there's a few others that have kids, but it's like an add on to the end of their story. So like Ruth and Rahab were both ancestors of Jesus, but that's not what they're known for is being moms. Like their story was something a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. Also a little bit in Tamar in there who like, she has a fun story as well. Um, Well, I wouldn't call her story fun. Well, fun in the sense of like, not your mama's, (laughs) not your mama's Bible friendly, not your, anyway, you know, the, not the, quite the Sunday school story that 
we may think about. And in the New Testament, there's lots of awesome, fierce women. Uh, Eunice and Lois is quoted a couple, at least once in some of the letters. There's also Lydia in Acts, who mm -hmm. was the head of her household. We don't know if she was widowed, if she had kids. She yeah. was just the head boss lady of her corner of the universe and did all right. And, and then there's so many women who are moms, but the, all of their definitions of motherhood were, were different. So, you know, Hagar, Rebecca, uh, Sarah, you know, that's just Genesis. <laughs> and they are, you know, they have different versions. Uh, and all then, of course, the Rachel and Leah and, um, and the two other moms of well, why? Oh gosh. And Zeph. Zeph. Anyway, I'm so blanking on our names. I'm such a bad. We're terrible pastors. We fail. Yeah, we fail. Anyway, but you can lift for all of them. Motherhood was different and you can kind of lift up all of their stories and those who are not mom and, you know, Hannah who cried for a child. I mean, cause she was experiencing infertility. We can only assume there's the woman who hemorrhaged for 12 years that could have easily, you know, we often picture her as an older woman, but she easily could have been a childbearing age. And, and that could have been a fistula that actually was bleeding for 12 years. Cause that's something that still happens in countries that do not have proper healthcare for women post giving birth. When the baby's head is stuck in the uterus or in the vaginal canal for way too long. Mm. I think we're making all the guys like turn, you know, Yeah. well, honestly, if people yeah, are going to make parts. it, if, if people are going to make it their business about our uteruses, we should be like, well, let's talk about fistulas. Yes. <laughs> One, anyway. Another thing you can do is if you did anything for um, Women's History Month in March, which is in, for the United States is in March. Um, just quick throwback. We did a litany that kind of quoted a lot from like the different women did different things and we celebrate our faith with them. And so we could totally like pull that back out again and be like, remember? Yes. I have an echo to that. And then if you're, uh, something that I've done is for the most part, ignored mother's day. And then just like say one prayer in the intercessory prayers, but also try and like touch on all the issues. That's a long petition, but to include fertility issues, stillbirths, miscarriages, those in the midst of in vitro treatments, because that's tough oh, on the gosh, body. Awful. Those who've lost children, adoptive parents, those who have to like deal with the injustices of not having parental leave because the U.S. is the worst in the world, or at least well, on one of the worst in the world, definitely. Um, parent, people who've lost a parent recently, especially a mother. So they're celebrating their first Mother's Day without their mom. Those who have been abused by their parents, those who are becoming new parents, those uh, unexpectedly like, oh crap, I'm pregnant people. And those who have longed for the positive pregnancy test and haven't had it. Those who have dealt with parenting in the midst of the pandemic and are just like, oh my God, I just need five minutes away from my children. Um, and then there's so many, even pregnancy itself, so many issues, preeclampsia and- I think there's uh, like diabetes related to, yeah. yeah. There's just, like, but like, we don't talk about that stuff either. No. Those on bed rest, those who are on, um, you know, and we didn't even, uh, and as step parents as well. And, you know, those who will forever be seen as the replacement parent mm -hmm. um, or the, the, the one who's not the real parent because of, you know, they yeah, so, so basically if you're only going to the yeah, intercessory prayers are a great place to address this. If that's the only thing you're going to do, but stuff that petition full of all <laughs> of the whole breath of like what the complications of this day are. And yeah. then at the very end, you'd be like, Oh, by the way, we're praying for peace because by the way, this is where it all began for mother's day. Yep. And then I'm going to just to lift up changes to our society to help parenting. So we talked about earlier about, you know, doing a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood. Um, there is, you know, Mother's Day is in the midst of Senate Assembly season for the ELCA. So to have resolutions about parental leave. Um, yeah, in our, in our guidelines to like, I know at least one synod where someone we know is, has or is going to be lifting up. We need to like have 
an increase to our parental leave policies and for everyone, not just for women, for men too. Um, can I share a secret about what Northeast Penn did? Sure. So most synods have made it a resolution and then it becomes a debate. And instead the people who come up with the pay guidelines every year just put it in there. And then we voted on it as if it was always there. And so now we have parental leave in our pay guidelines in the Senate. So okay. you, know, you don't have to make it a big issue. <laughs> like if the right people are the ones who change it. So, and because pay guidelines is always like the last thing we do at Senate assembly or close to it, no one debates it. <laughs> so, right. so if you, you can go it, home, if you can do it in such a way that it would cause a bigger fuss to like not do it people yes. will probably be like, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then also with that, you know, having childcare at congregational events or synod events, but also not mandatory childcare. Like my parents tell, you know, when my sister was an infant, so this is the late seventies, they went to a church and they were sitting there with her in the pews and an usher came and basically told them that they had to go put her in the nursery. And my mom's like, no, <laughs> she's staying with us because we don't know you <laughs> like that's crazy yeah so not required but available is helpful yeah. and with that maybe like examining we could go into this whole other side side thing about like how to make your congregation family affirming yes. <laughs> not just family friendly but like how do you make it different types of family affirming um but and i oh go ahead I was gonna say, I, I know so many conferences that and synod assemblies and events that like pastors are expected to go to. And like, if you're part of a pastor couple, especially, well, even if you're not, and you don't have another act, anything else for childcare, you have to like pick who's gonna go and you have to like leave at awkward times, like breastfeed your baby or like, you know, we can, we can do better at planning yep. events at the church. I have a friend who she decided that they're going to continue to do their council meetings on Zoom post pandemic because council meeting time is bedtime for a lot of the parents in the congregation. And so if they want parents on council, either the parents have to give up bedtime completely that night um, and they might have to do that other nights too, or they can listen in on Zoom and you know mute themselves as they're also like, getting their kid to bed or whatever, and can actually still participate in being on council or in other meetings because of Zoom. Like, so, and also we can advocate for, we've been talking mainly about church stuff, but we can also advocate this for all people at the state and national level. Like we do not, as we mentioned earlier, have a parental leave policy in this country. Um, that's actually national, you know, state or national. I don't think any state has one. I don't think um, so. so, you know, there are women who go to work a few days after giving birth because they can't afford the time off or aren't allowed the time off. And that's ridiculous because, yeah, one of the reasons I don't want to be a mom is that just seems like a whole lot of toll on the body. So. Fair enough, fair enough. Because you're right. It is, it is a lot of toll on women's bodies and we don't really accommodate that anywhere. No. Um, so should we move to Father's Day? Yeah, let's do, let's do Father's Day, aka we should rename this Non-Toxic Masculinity Day. I think mm -hmm. instead of this day being about like golf and giving- Fishing, people, don't forget fishing, fishing. Fishing, golf, and ties, I was going to say. So I think- Tools, there's tools. tools. Oh, that's true. Tool sale, yeah. yeah. Tools, ties, mountains, hiking, and fishing, which are fine. Yeah. But, I mean, it was weird growing. So my dad is not into any of that stuff. And so like growing up, trying to find father's day gifts for him, or even cards that are not like about golf and fishing and hunting and tools was hard. Like, and for a while he wore ties to work, but he hasn't done that since, oh, the mid nineties. So like, yeah, trying to find cards and gifts for him. And like, this is what Father's Day is, is difficult. Mm. So not that my dad doesn't have 600 hobbies. It's just not the typical Father's Day hobbies. So. Mm, yeah. So this might be an excellent day to, to lift up men, some um, celebrity 
men who embody non-toxic masculinity. People like Bob Ross, Fred Rogers, Prince Harry, uh, the Queer Eye guys, President Obama, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Hanks, Will Smith in some of the drama roles he's been in. You can also go into like fictional ones too. What was that? Pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And there are probably tons and tons more, but that those are the ones that we kind of could name out the top of our heads. Yep. And you can also then lift up the non-toxic men in the Bible and granted caveat to this, to both the list Lydia just gave and the one I'm going to give for biblical figures. It's like, yeah, all of them, there might be a limit. Like I'm sure I do not know any of the famous people that Lydia just named personally, but I'm sure there are some people who think that they have some toxic masculinity in them. You know, President Obama still ordered bombs to be dropped. Um, So, but some non-toxic men in the Bible, Jesus, Philip, um, Jonathan, uh, especially Jonathan's relationship with David, uh, uh, John, I'm assuming you mean the Baptist, well, actually, I was thinking John, the the beloved disciple in oh. the gospel of John, because he took, I was thinking like, because he took in Mary. Is well. Oh, there you go. And then there's Boaz. I mean, Boaz is a great one as far as taking in the friends of the man who lowered the guy through the roof, uh, who was lowered through the roof. That's a huge one. Both Joseph's, Joseph, the father of Jesus is taking in Jesus as the, and this entire thing about wanting to divorce Mary quietly. I mean, that alone divorcing her quietly was like a stand-up decision, but then he, the fact that he stayed married to Mary or got married to Mary because they were only engaged. I don't know. Um, and then also Joseph in the old Testament with the, the story of him fleeing Potiphar's wife when she's coming on him again, there might be some other stories of Joseph, not so, eh. But that one in particular, he didn't want to take advantage of her. Uh, the shepherds and the magi, like I always think uh, to me, one sign of toxic masculinity is people who can rejoice in the group celebration. So like the team that just won the championship, but it's not just the star players who get to rejoice, but also like the bench warmers and like the water cooler person and like the shepherds are that water cooler guy, you know, and yet they are still rejoicing and is so excited about this. So. And one other thing that, or one other person that I, or thing that I want to live up, lift up from a Lutheran perspective, like Martin Luther, super complicated guy. He may or may not be quote, non, a non-toxic masculine guy, but I wanted to lift up the passage in one of his essays, The Estate of Marriage, written in 1522, if you want to check it out, um, talks about one of the vocations of parenthood and husbands and men in particular in changing children's diapers and doing things around the home. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up is that so many women I know talk about how they basically work at work and then come home to like, what is that called? Like the third shift or the second shift? It's like the shift, the chef, the shift that you do at home, second shift that you work all day and you come home and then you do basically another shift of work, cleaning, cooking, laundry, packing for vacations for everyone in your family, basically, even if you don't have to pack for your husband. Um, And just the astonishing amount or lack of amount of things that enlightened men I know or enlightened husbands of women I know who do not do anything or don't do much and we shouldn't give them a gold star for doing the thing we should make it normal and say this is what a normal dad does (laughs) and even the term babysitting your children is still prevalent of like when a guy when a dad has the kids by himself people will talk about how he's babysitting the kids. No, you're being a dad. Yeah. Your kids, your responsibility. Or or how great that is that he's spending time with them. And yeah, it is great. Mm -hmm. But like, don't fall over yourself thanking him (laughs) for doing that. Like it's, he gets the trophy of the year or whatever. Anyway. (laughs) Again, this seems so weird with my childhood because my mom works second shift. So like, and weekends. And so I had many a times where I was, you know, my dad was the sole parent for taking care of three kids, you know, take all three of us to church and stuff. And yeah. 
currently I'm not, not that I'm not allowed in the kitchen, but that's, I'm not the primary cook in my household. So anyway, but like, I'm not not the primary uh, cleaner in my household. Right. But like, we shouldn't, we're not saying that because I mean, our husbands are awesome, but like, that's not why (laughs) they're awesome. Anyway. Um, So a little bit of, so again, also on top of lifting up those men, um, just like maybe lifting up the women in the liturgy, uh, litany at the beginning, you can do the same thing for the prayers of intercession where you lift up um, fatherhood. But again, include all those issues of those who've experienced fertility issues and stillbirths and miscarriages and in vitro and other um, uh, fertility related fertility treatments that might be not as invasive for them as a man as man but still invasive um those who have lost uh children adoptive parents step parents um that they may that there's justice for parental leave you know like many dads don't get to take any time off after their kids unless they take vacation days and yet you know they're taking care of us you know if it's a heterosexual relationship there's a the woman who just had a major medical thing happen and then a newborn child that cannot do anything for themselves and yet they might not be able to take any time off other than if they take vacation. Um, those who've lost their father recently are celebrating their first fathers without their fathers. Those who've had a fraught relationship with them or were abused by their fathers. Um, those who are, oh crap, I'm, you know, this, I'm, pre- you know, we're pregnant. Yeah. Or those who don't have a relationship with their children because, oh crap, they got someone pregnant and they didn't have a relationship with that person. And now they don't have a relationship with the child, but they know that that person's out there. Like there's so many issues that we can pray for. And we tend to lift up, like, let's have the good old boys, (laughs) you know, and pray for them and how great it is. Um, And I, I think so many, yeah when I was reading the list, I was thinking of like, especially miscarriages and stillbirths, like we don't as a country, as a society, don't talk about them that much. But when we do talk about them, we tend to only talk about how they affect women. And yes, the women are the ones who are carrying the child. But like, if it was an expected dad, like they're experiencing that loss and grief just as much. So maybe not the hormonal issues, but the loss and grief. So yeah, exactly. So a little bit of history of Father's Day, by the way, according to Wikipedia, um, the Eastern Orthodox Church actually had the second Sunday before the Nativity as Father's Day because they would uh, associate it with uh, Joseph. So that's kind of cool if you uh, just maybe something to lift up of when somebody's like, well, why didn't you pray for dads today? Well, I'm going to celebrate pray for dads in December when it's according to the church calendar and Joseph's feast. And then another day of fatherhood in Central Europe is, um, and it's at least back to 1508 is also, it's on the feast of St. Joseph, which is March 19th. So, but the third Sunday in June is the most popular day internationally for Father's Day. So many, many countries celebrate Father's Day on that day. We Apparently it's the best day for fishing mm. worldwide. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we do have some uh, BYOBs. Uh, First, this from Beth Wardick. Uh, She shares, I think that if you want to do anything gifty, so this is back to referring to, we were talking about earlier, there was a big discussion on some Facebook groups about like, what do you give out on this fraught day called Mother's Day? And she says, if you want to do anything gifty on these days, it should be external. So like you say to your congregation, hey, we're fundraising for a pregnancy resource center for Mother's Day and a community parenting support group on Father's Day. So mm-hmm. cough up some money, folks, uh, kind of alluding to you could sell something or do a special offering. Annie B. Shepard also shared, when I started in my current call last year, I was so excited when I found out that the previous pastor broke them of the giving flowers thing or other random crap on Mother's and Father's Day. Instead, the membership committee donates money to the local domestic violence shelter, homeless women's and children's shelter, and homeless men's shelter each year. We print it in the newsletter and invite others to donate as well in honor and memory of important people in their lives. Those are some great ways. That's awesome. Chef's kiss. So, 
Yes, make it external. There's so many different organizations that either support women as mothers or support families or support men trying to be fathers or support kids who don't have their fathers. That's another organization you could get, type of organization you could, could give to on Father's Day. So, all right, let's move on to some shots. Yay. Should I start? If you really want to, sure, you seem so excited about it, friend. I just really like the, some of the stories. <laughs> All right, then. Sure. Uh, so our first shot is uh, May 2nd, Easter five. The, I guess, so this is like the Old Testament spot is like the, the first reading. The it's first the reading. first reading. We have no Old Testament. We just have Acts. So the first reading spot is uh, through the season of Easter is that whole, you know, bunch of stuff from Acts. It's the story of the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. This would be a great day to have a baptism in your congregation. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. It's also a really amazing time to address how God is inclusive of people who don't, who fall outside of the like the heteronormative cisgender um, box that we put people in because the eunuch was someone who was outside of all the categories that I know some of like the, the temple rules and like where you could stand and what part you had access to. The eunuch was um, incomplete <laughs> according to the rules. And he was outside of the traditions and didn't have access to some parts of the temple, but- The eunuch uh, was cut off? Yeah, he was cut off. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good, maybe also a good reading to sort of like, let's talk about really awkward things on Mother's Day, but the Sunday before we're going to talk about some awkward things too. You could also lift up the fact that the, this man was from Ethiopia and talk about how Christianity thrived in many parts of Africa before there was a thriving Christian community in Europe. Europe. Um, if you, if your denomination has partnerships with synods in the countries of Africa, uh, I know my own synod is partnered with some of the synods in Namibia. You could take that opportunity to talk about what the country of Namibia is like and some of the stuff that your synod or diocese or whatever it does. Or if you are in part of a global communion in the Lutheran world, we're not, we, we're part of the Lutheran World Federation and you could talk, you could bring, that'd be a good time to bring up. We have lots of partners in the country, in the continent of Africa and they're pretty awesome. And then you can decorate with kente cloth or you can have injera and communion, maybe not this year because of COVID, but you know, keep that in mind for three years from now. Um, or if you do the baptism of the Ethiopian some other time of just kind of lift up there is you know without doing cultural appropriation of like let's take this as our own but you can really lift up like and celebrate that there is a large thriving church Christian community in Africa and we as people in the west forget about that quite often and I'm using the term west intentionally there of being <laughs> Bad. exactly yeah exactly the gospel reading is from john 15 1 through 8 jesus talking about i am the true vine in the northern hemisphere it's it is springtime and hopefully at least by then in most parts of the midwest hopefully it is finally springtime <laughs> where you are so you could have a vine or a shrub or a bush that you could prune during the service and talk about how new growth will be stronger where you're doing the pruning if you're still pre-recording by then, that might be fun, something fun that you could do if you have some shrubs out in your backyard. Um, I'll talk about the next one because I don't yeah, think- I was gonna say, I don't really know a lot about Paris trees, so take that away. Um, so my husband lived in Paris for a few years and so I've been there many a times at different times of the year. And when the, uh, the first time I was in Paris in February, I was kind of shocked by how ugly the trees look because they prune them all the time. And so the ends of all of these trees have these super gnarly, ends like at on the branches they don't have natural you know quote unquote natural looking trees with all the like the small twigs and everything off of it but that's because they prune them every year and then come spring and fall they have all the new twigs that grow and these 
these trees then become beautiful and full um, with the, the leaves. And then the tree branches don't grow into the wires and overall they're healthier trees. Like when you're like just walking down the street and comparing the health of a tree in Paris versus like New York, for instance. And so there's these gnarly, ugly ends of these trees. And I tried to find some images and I couldn't, I'll have to see if I have some in my own individual images from trips to Paris. Cause they're just like, you wonder what's going on with this tree, but it's because they've been pruned so many times, but that gives new life every year. And every year these trees are just beautiful because you know, springtime in Paris is magical, <laughs> partially because of how beautiful the trees are. So <clears throat> so May 9th is Easter six. It's also Mother's Day. Uh, we've talked about, you know, for a good chunk of this podcast. Uh, if you want to ignore it completely, which I completely think is an okay option, uh, the uh, first reading is Acts 10, 44 through 48, which is the spirit comes even to the Gentiles. It's kind of a Pentecost preview in some ways because we have Pentecost in just a few weeks, but it's also an after view because this is Acts 10 instead of Acts 2 when Pentecost happens. Um, this is also the passage that many denominations point to when they require the gift of speaking in tongues prior to baptism. So you can have an entire conversation about what it means to speak in tongues and to spend some time unpacking that. And I think for a lot of mainline Christians, speaking in tongues is a super scary thing, but it's also this moment of being overwhelmed by the spirit. And like, I think a lot of us hopefully who've been in church a lot have at some point hopefully I felt a time where we felt overwhelmed by the spirit maybe not to the point that like strange words came out of our mouth but maybe if we opened up our mouths strange words would have come out so um and then the other side of this is it was coming the spirit came even to the gentiles so who are the gentiles today that we want to deny the gift of baptism to and how is the spirit still with them might be some good questions to start with the gospel reading is John 15, 9 through 17, which is love one another as I have loved you. Again, it is Mother's Day. So that if you do want to do that angle, this is a good time. You can talk about motherly love and uh, what some women go, uh, go through in order to be mothers. So whether that's infertility or all the hoops that they have to go through for adoption or the toll on the body during pregnancy, um, if you really want to lean into Mother's Day, this might be actually a good way of doing it with um, still having scripture at the ground. There, you can also then with the Mother's Day side, talk about that moment. He's This is the scripture of like, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And you can talk about that moment that like many people long for, but also many people don't reach when as a child, you be, end up becoming friends with your parents because you are old enough to be friends with your parents instead of, you know, yes, you'll always still be the child, but still have a little bit of a more of a mutual relationship instead of a parent-child relationship. And I think many parents long for that moment too. So we don't always get to it. All right. May 16 is Easter seven, or you could do the Ascension. So you have a couple of options today. Um, did we do a podcast about Ascension or include that in a podcast? We included it in one called the, um, the oh, let's see, what year was it? Uh, last year, we did a podcast episode called Don't Do It All Alone and the Holiday Trifecta. So we only talked about Ascension very briefly, so. But yeah, but it, so it's there. So you could you could refer back to to that part of that podcast. But some fun things. Oh, so, so the text for Ascension, if you decide to do that, because I I feel like there is sort of a movement, at least amongst many of my Lutheran colleagues, to lift up some of the minor liturgical holidays, like Candlemas, is like suddenly a thing that people do now, and Ascension is sort of one of those minor holidays that. We're like, mm, what's that? And all of a sudden, now I know tons of people who are doing like a Thursday night Ascension service on Ascension, but you can also move it to Sunday. So the texts for Ascension are Acts 1, 1 through 11 and Luke 24, 44 through 53. And some of the fun things that you can do, either if you're doing worship outside, doing things in a, uh, if you're still pre-recording at that point, you could blow bubbles and have them float off into the air. I, I remember we talked about this in the podcast that we did before, like get one of those flat Jesus things. I know I've seen lots of churches do that. Put flat Jesus on our, one of those rockets that you shoot up into the air um, safely, of course. 
Um, and then you can be present and watch Jesus be lifted off and remind, kind of remind ourselves of like, what would have that moment felt like? Jesus kind of being beamed up into the sky and wondering what in the world happened. And I think some, a lot of us are sort of there at this point in the pandemic, like what is happening to us? So I think we can tap into some of that like wondering. But if you do decide to do Easter 7, the texts are Acts 1, 15 through 17, 21 through 26. This is where Matthias is called sort of as the new disciple, the replacement disciple, because we have to replace Judas, which is awkward. there has to be 12. <laughs> yeah, because we must have 12. So like imagine being Matthias. 11, nor shall there be 13. <laughs> Maybe that's what you could do. Do an entire uh, Monty Python stake, but instead of the holy hand grenade of three, counting to three, you can do the holy apostles count to 12. Exactly. Yeah. I just think about poor Matthias being like that guy and like, yeah, you're the guy who recently had your position was Judas. But you know what? We also know Matthias's name more than some of the other minor uh, apostles or disciples who we argue about what their names are because they vary per gospel. Like Bartholomew? you know exactly but this is a great opportunity to lift up new leaders in your congregation especially if you have had people in your congregation who become leaders in the last year or two helping out with like the the being church in the midst of a pandemic if you have like tech people who have really stepped up or other people who have taken care of church grounds or Um, even your new council members like they stepped up in the middle of the pandemic like let's celebrate them yeah that would be a good opportunity for that. The gospel reading is John 17, th- 6 through 19, which is kind of the slightly awkward Jesus prays for his disciples, but like in such a way that like, um, yeah, like it's overhearing. Is this, this is also the one that's like I and you and you and me and me and him. And like, I don't ones. think it's that, but it, it's pretty close. It's, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's fine. <laughs> but this could be a but Jesus is doing it so that his disciples are overhearing what's going on so as a pastor you could write and read a special prayer for your congregation this is I'm asking on their behalf I'm not asking on behalf of the world but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours all mine are yours yours are mine and I have been glorified in them and now I no longer in the world but they are in the world and I am coming to you holy father protect them it's that one so when you write your own prayer for your congregation that you're going to read um use some grammar and or use some uh punctuation please like some commas and some periods would be fabulous anyway <laughs> make it not one run-on sentence yep <laughs> all right i just do pentecost too go for it all right i'll just quick do pentecost so may 23rd is pentecost and we've done a lot <laughs> about pentecost so that's of course the only text that really matters <laughs> for pentecost really is acts 2 1 through 21 that's the one we majorly focus on we we i think is that we've done two previous yep. Don't do it all alone. And then Holy Holiday Trifecta. Um, check those was, out. We no, no, there's there is it was a weird long title. Don't do it all alone and the whole holiday trifecta oh, okay. of 2020. And then in 2018, we did Pentecost Chaos. Oh yes, okay. It's on the next line. Pentecost Chaos, and that's from 2018. So yes. lots of fire, lots of wind, lots of water, lots of red, lots of doves. Do all the things and enjoy it and have so much fun. Um, May 30th is a holiday trifecta in and of itself. It is Memorial Day weekend. It is Trinity Sunday. And most importantly at all, it is my 40th birthday. So um, you can check out that holiday trifecta from 2020 and the triple trifecta, aka Trinity Sunday from May of 2018 of some episodes that we did about Trinity Sunday, but because Trinity, we actually get new readings every year. Let's talk a little bit about the readings. Um, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8 is Isaiah's vision of the seraphim singing holy, holy, holy. And so you can just do a thing about encouraging people to draw these creatures. Like they're a little creepy looking. There's also some great TikToks about angels. One of my favorites is there's this guy singing um, 
I can't, you're an angel baby. Um, and like having images of like, um, Oh, art with angels, which are basically humans with wings or like little cherubs. And then there's actual biblical angels with all the eyeballs and all the wings and all the creepy craziness. So, you know, kind of fun. It's also maybe a great entry into a series that you might want to do all summer since, hey, it's Memorial Day weekend. You can start a series that goes into Labor Day of like, where do different parts of our liturgy come from? Um, and so here you can start with holy, 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 and just kind of go with it from there. The old, uh, the gospel reading is John 3, 1 through 17. Uh, we just had part of this reading of Nicodemus, the ending part of it in Lent on March 14th. I actually read all of it because I think it's hard to read the ending of Nicodemus's story without getting the beginning. So it's a great story to act out. Uh, it's a great story to like have some conversation around about Nicodemus, Nicodemus going in the middle of the night. You can also have people write down their questions for Jesus and whether that's something that they just offer up and they can put in the offering place, plate or maybe you can collect them and have then another summer series of preaching series of we're now going to answer these questions that you have for Jesus. Maybe not give the answers, but start to explore the questions a little bit more might be a better way of acknowledging that because let's face it, pastors don't have all the answers because none of us do. Um, but you can either do that as a preaching series or temple talks uh, at the beginning of each service or which may be the majority of the service, uh, depending on the question, or have some education time throughout the summer on those. So cool. All right. But what you should celebrate the most on May 30th is my birthday because naturally like the, of course, because we have, we have our priorities straight here. Yes. <laughs> we have not just one, not just two. We have three chasers for you today. So I'll talk about the first two. Um, they're all pretty much the same. So basically, um, we'll, we'll, and we'll link them all. The first one is a prayer for Mother's Day for all of us. And it's something you can uh, include in your worship service. It kind of covers all the bases of some of the stuff that we already talked about. The second one is an open letter to pastors. A non-mom speaks about Mother's Day. It's a blog post. One of one thing that I appreciated from that is she talks about the standing up thing and how awkward that is. Like I, that's something I just realized we didn't talk specifically about the thing where you have people stand up if your mothers. That's awkward. Don't do it. And that's just because it's so bad. We just couldn't talk to you. Yeah, but she, I do remember that she talked about it and. And what I really like about that one, about the, from uh, the messy middle is that it has at the end, a wonderful liter litany that, uh, um, that is by Amy Young and Pastor Brie Thouts. That I have no clue how to pronounce the last name. I'm sorry. Um, it's French, T-R-U-A-X. Um, and it's a uh, leader congregational back and forth of giving thanks for, but also acknowledging all the, um, the gamut of mothers and what that means. So it talks about those who are pregnant, those who've given birth, those who've lost a child this year, those with infertility, dealing with infertility, moms, foster moms, you know, spiritual moms, uh, those who've been experiencing abuse, um, those who are caring for mothers with, uh, in the midst of medical needs, um, those whose moms have died, um, and just, so it's beautiful. I've done it just as something that I've read without the back and forth, and that works well too. So, um, and then the other one is very similar. It's from God Space, also has a litany that you can use going back and forth with the congregation um, that kind of talks about the gamut of motherhood. So both of them are good. You maybe just want to take a look about which might fit better for your community and also um, or which wording you're more comfortable with. And also I'm sure it would be okay with both of them to edit them a little bit to make it fit your congregation, so. Cool. That was a lot. That was a lot. All right. So uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Lit Liturgy. You can also email us at litliturgy at gmail.com, L-I-T-L-I-T-U-R-G-Y. And we want to hear from you. Send us your BYOB suggestions so you can be podcast famous. And next up, we're actually going to be doing a series during the course of this summer, um, things related to kid-centric milestones. So like the first 
third of life, sort of some of the major markers that happen kind of in the, what they say is like the first third. Um, things like baptism, giving Bibles for different age groups uh, of children, things like first communion, confirmation. It's gonna be a series. So we're not gonna try to cram all of these into one podcast. So look for multiple editions yep. of this over the course of the summer. And as yep. always, oh. Oh, I was going to say, we'll probably divide it a little bit into like infant children is like ones that tend to happen at like infant, young, young child, um, you know, elementary age, and then like middle school, high school age. So just to give you some thoughts on that. We haven't figured it out yet. It's, it's in its infancy. It's in its first third. <laughs> it's fermenting. It's brewing. Brewing. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and as always, thank you so much to Brian O'Dean for his amazing theme music. And in the meantime, this is Becca. And this is Lydia. And we're reminding to always drink and plan worship responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>